Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each week, I zoom in someone who's dope and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Now, today's guest, Louisa Joe. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, she, I've been following her for for a long time. Uh, subscribe to her YouTube channel, and it is just straight on everything you want to know about business. I, earlier, I mentioned how she was a machine because when you go to her channel, all kind of videos. Like you, you're never going to go, wow, there's like three videos here. Where the no, 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 there whole library content and uh it's awesome content people and you know you know michael is a friend of the show so i reached out to michael i said hey can you make an introduction uh because i've always wanted louisa on the show and uh so we're going to be talking about sort of all things business particularly for those who you don't know you're, you're at the cusp of starting and and you don't know if you should, how you should. And so uh, Louisa is going to drop those gems for us today. And so for those who'll be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, and Spotify, will you please introduce yourself, Louisa? Oh, thank you so much. I feel like you already shared so many nice things about me. So just to add on to that a little bit, I do have a great YouTube channel. And really, I have a lot of content all over the internet. Uh, really teaching people to go from employee to entrepreneur, essentially, by taking your job or life skills and experience and turning that into your own online coaching or service-based business. Mm. Okay. I'm, I'm excited, people. Uh, so I'm always curious as to how did people get to where they are? So what did you think you would be doing when you were growing up? And what attracted <laughs> you to entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I would never have guessed in a million years that I would have been an entrepreneur. So you know how you hear stories about entrepreneurs who were entrepreneurial as a kid. They sold things. They You could just tell they had that spark. I was none of those. I was the, I followed all the rules, studied hard. I, well, I did say that I was going to be the CEO of some corporation, but I was going to climb that corporate ladder because that's all I knew. And so I went to Princeton. I studied electrical engineering, the farthest thing basically from being an entrepreneur once again. And then I went to work as an engineer on the International Space Station. And after realizing, oh, this is not, I mean, it was amazing in so many ways, but it was just, I, I wanted more. I wanted to try more things. It wasn't everything that I thought it would be. And so I tried a lot of different jobs and industries. I went from there, did financial services for a while, did a mobile payments tech startup, did a digital advertising startup. And so through doing that, I realized eventually, okay, the nine to five is not, not for me. I tried enough of these. And so that's when I started, you know, thinking, okay, there has to be something more and got started on my online business journey, which is a story in itself, but we can, we can talk about that in a bit. Awesome. Awesome. So 
I am a huge proponent of uh, educators uh, or anyone creating them multiple streams of income. And that's just something that I preach daily. But a lot of educators, you know, they don't really like to talk about money and they don't really like talking about sort of monetizing their talents. They feel like I didn't join a profession you know, to make money, you know, they're like, that lesson plan should be free. Why should I have to pay for it? And I'm trying to sort of get them, you know, out of that mindset of there is worth in what they're doing. But for those who have come along and the aha moment is here and they're ready to do so, how will they know if they will be successful as an entrepreneur? So if only we all had a crystal ball, right? Uh, the, the thing I've seen over and over, to be honest, that differentiates people who succeed versus those who don't, it's not any one characteristic that you might think. It's not how, where you start out. You can, I've seen people succeed who started out in not great jobs versus people who had six, multiple six-figure jobs not do it. Uh, it, it doesn't matter about your personal ability, your charisma, your confidence. I've seen people on both ends of the spectrum succeed and not succeed. What it really comes down to is how determined you are. That's really it. It's really about, okay, am I willing to go through all the hustle? Am I willing to keep, get up after every failure? And there are going to be a lot. And I'm, am I willing to grow into the person I need to be to succeed at building the business that I want? Mm. And, you know, I, I, I'm working on this myself, you know, I, I've had Michael on the show and, and I have this book niche down and, you know, I'm one of those people that I guess they called um, multi-passionate mm. people. And so for yeah. me to say, this is my thing, you know, it's my rock, my lane, I'm going to work at, I'm still sort of carving that down. But how should an entrepreneur go about finding that profitable niche? Because just because you have a passion for it doesn't mean people are willing to pay for it. Yeah. So I love that we're talking about this because first and foremost, I do not agree with the vice to passion and then build a business. We all, like you said, so many of us, myself included, have lots of passions. And if we were waiting to sit around and monetize them, we'd be waiting forever. You know, I love teaching. Absolutely. I love what I do. Another one of my passions is watching Netflix. No one's ever going to, probably, you know, we'll see, but it's unclear if one's ever going to pay me for that. And you already have an existing finite list of skills and experiences. And so you don't have to go and search for something. And often our skills are staring us right in the face and they feel so easy to us. It's like, would anyone really pay? Yes. What's easy for you is not necessarily what's easy for everyone else. Mm -hmm. And so the second thing I did was career coaching because I transitioned a lot of careers. I built a six figure salary. I'd earned a manager. And over the years I had had colleagues and friends come to me for career advice. And so what I did was reach out to a few of them and say, Hey, you've asked me for advice before, you know, it's good. You know what I'm talking about. I'm starting to do some coaching. I'm happy to offer you a super low price. Would you be interested? Now what happened was after a while I realized, you know what? I think people are going to get to where I am now and then they're going to want to leave their jobs too. And so I don't want to, it doesn't feel amazing to me to be guiding them knowing that that's going to happen. 
And that's when I had a moment where I thought, do I really have any other businesses left in me? I mean, I already had two. That's, that's a pretty big deal already for someone. Cause I started out thinking the same thing as well. I was, I started out thinking what possibly could I build a and so what happened was I started going online into Facebook groups and Facebook ads were still relatively new to a lot of small businesses. And in my job at the time, I was managing digital ads for really big companies like BMW and Mercedes. And so I had someone basically uh, start some people about ads in the Facebook groups and I reached out to a few of them and I said, hey, this is what I do in my job sell you anything I'm literally just doing some market research would you be willing to hop on the phone with me and answer my questions and in return I will answer all your questions for free and I did that and that's actually how I got my first client a woman who I just helped for free for two weeks so this was a lot of you know there was no hidden agenda I literally was thinking oh wow someone really does care so I will just answer all her questions she emailed me out of the blue and said you've given me so much for free I know you know what you're talking about I would love to uh, hire you because I'm sure I'll get more out of it. And so I did that, built that business pretty successfully, replaced my income. And that's when people started asking, Louisa, how did you build your job or build your business to be able to leave your job and get to where you are now? And I started helping them and transitioned into my current business. And so, I mean, there's so many takeaways. None of these, the first few businesses were my quote unquote passion right? I enjoyed them enough to help people with them, to talk about them. I knew enough about them. And really I could help people solve problems around them. And that was enough to get started. Hmm. So when people are doing that accounting of, you know, these are my talents, these are my experiences, et cetera. And they have sort of figured out that niche People have to know who you are. How do you go about, or how can people, you know, what do they need to do so they can be seen as an expert or a go-to person in their in industry? I mean, I remember even when I started, I was well established in my career. I was very well respected. I managed uh, quite a few big accounts. I knew what I was talking about, but I would go online and nobody knew who I was. They didn't care that I had an impressive resume. In fact, I remember one of my earliest conversations with someone, they said to me, I don't know if I can hire you. You look like you're 12. And so it, it doesn't matter. You, you start, you have to re-earn that. And so instead, what that lesson with that uh, woman who became my first client for ads consulting taught me was that, you know what? I don't need to be seen as like the go-to or the expert. I just need to build enough trust with someone, like one person at a time that they trust that I can help them. And so that's all I spent my time doing. I spent my time answering, finding questions that people are asking about ads, answering them and uh, sharing valuable advice related to what I knew and connecting with people who answered. So I wasn't like this quote unquote expert, you know, talking at people or just posting stuff and leaving. I was trying genuinely to talk to and help as many people as I could. And that's how in their eyes, I became the, okay, this chick Louisa, I don't care that she has no audience, no following. She knows what she's talking about and I trust her. And that's all that matters. Mm. That's, that's where I started. Wow. So we, and, he, and this is something that, you know, in my space of educators, 
getting that sort of, oh, I got this conference gig. Uh, but then there's like some months go by. Oh, boom, I got this gig. Then some months go by. How does someone go about landing gigs, particularly those gigs that are consistent in pay and not just a bunch of one-offs? Yeah. So are you talking about ongoing kind of retainer clients or are you talking about ongoing like speaking gigs? Can you elaborate a little bit more? Whether it's speaking gigs or even if you have a coaching business, you know, someone that will sign up for, you know, not just, you know, like a three coaching session, but maybe they'll stay on mm, for six okay. months. Or yes, whatever. I love yeah. this. All right. So there are a few things that we're going to talk about then. First is what you actually sell. So I, I say this all the time, right? When you're doing some sort of service-based business, it can be very easy to charge per session or per hour. And that's the worst thing you can do for your business and for your value. Because what people are paying you for or they're going to pay you way more for is not your, uh, your time or the value of you and what you bring to the table, unfortunately. What they're willing to pay you for is the value of what you bring to them. And so what's the greatest value to them is the result that you can help them get. And so what that means is it takes longer to get a result. You're not going to, no matter what it is you're helping someone with, you're very unlikely to help them get an amazing result in just one hour. And so you need to think through how long do I need to at least help someone get at least some tangible, significant results. And what does that look like? And then you want to sell that as your first package. So what I usually recommend is selling a three month package where you're doing weekly calls with someone and offering email support in between. And I mean, at this point I've worked with students in 30 plus industries and that's a, always a good time frame because it's enough to start getting results. It might not be enough to get the ultimate results. So if you're a health coach and someone is coming to you wanting to lose, let's say uh, 50 pounds, you might not be able to help them lose that in three months, but maybe you can help them lose 10, 15, 20, pretty, pretty significant. And so you start out with that. So that already gives you enough time to build trust with your client and help them focus on getting results instead of worrying, oh my gosh, we only have two sessions left. Uh, how do I continue working with them? So once you have that, then what you're able to do is at the end of your time together, if there's more work to be done, if there are further results to be had that this client wants, then you make it really simple. Would you like to renew or whatever that extension package is so that we can work on getting this? So using that health coach example again, we've worked together for three months and you've lost 15 pounds already before you were struggling to lose any. I know your goal is to ultimately lose 50 pounds. So based on what we've already accomplished, I'm thinking we can do that in six months, totally making up numbers, but you get the idea uh, in six months. So would you like to work together to do that? So what you're constantly doing is you're focusing on the results. You're setting the time frame for that. And you are working with your client through to a result versus, okay, we're working together for three months or three hours or whatever. And then it's done. It's we're results focused. And as long as there are more results and there's trust and you've helped them get results up to that point, there is going to be a really great continuation there. Now, the final piece that I do want to address, because this is equally important, when you talk about getting consistent clients is how you get clients. The thing is you don't wait for clients to come to you, especially when you're starting out, right? Who's going to find you? Unfortunately, you have to constantly be doing sales activities that help you build that pipeline of getting clients. So if someone first connects with you, some people might buy from you right away. 
or some people might need to be connected with you for three or six months or a year or longer before they buy. That's not your job to worry about when they buy. It's your job to constantly be connecting with new people and keeping yourself top of mind for them so that when they're ready to buy, you're the person they go to. And so what that looks like is constantly putting yourself in front of potential new clients. So for me back then, I did the same thing. I was constantly connecting with new people every day possible on Facebook groups. I was sharing new content to keep myself top of mind for people every day so that all these people I was talking to, even if they didn't want to buy from me the first month, okay, the next month I was building up new people, uh, connecting with new people, and maybe some of the people who'd met me one month, two months, three months ago would be interested and ready to buy from me. Mm. So I want to throw this out there to you. When you say that, I know a lot of people talk about uh, buy-ins through uh, newsletters. And, you know, I belong to, to a couple, you know, they're, they're okay. But, but some, it's like you get an email all the time, you know, and it's like, I don't know you like that. Uh, when when you're when you're trying to do those things to put yourself in front of people and to to provide value to the point to where they will go ahead and click on that 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 sales offer how do you know what is too much versus what is enough yeah okay so i love this so my answer to this is there's no such thing as too much the only thing is is it good enough Right. So speaking to all the points that you just mentioned, like emailing someone earning, well, let's start with earning someone's email, getting them to sign up for your email list. So what gets someone to sign up for an email list, a really good thing that they're going to get in return for signing up for the email list. So I personally have really great PDFs that pack a lot of value so that it's really worth someone's giving me their email address for. Then after that, what you said about sending a lot of newsletters, I'm a big fan of sending a lot because Here's the thing. If you're positioning yourself as someone who has a lot to share on a certain topic, then shouldn't you be having a lot to share, right? Mm. I usually uh, get a little bit suspicious when someone claims, okay, I know about this and this, but then I never hear from them. Then I'm thinking, okay, where, where's all this knowledge that you have? Right. And so that's how I think about it. Now, of course, you have to earn the relationship, the closeness with your email subscriber, but that's not going to come from being afraid to email them. Think about how you develop friendships with some of your closest friends, right? You've known them for a long period of time, or maybe you've had some friends who you just connected with right away, but you had opportunities to connect. And that's how I view newsletters. They're an opportunity to connect. Now, here's the thing. The thing is, as I was saying, there's no such thing as too much as long as it's good. The way you want to think about it is every email you send, you have to re-earn your place in that person's inbox. But at the core, it just comes down to, are you sending good stuff? Is your offer good? Are you speaking to the right people? And are you staying top of mind for them so that when they are ready to buy, you are the person that they buy from? Mm. I like that. I like that. So I want to talk ask talk to you now sort of about you you're in business 6 months a year and either you're not seeing the sales at all or you know maybe you've had like wow it's been dry these past 3 mm-hmm. months so I'm 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 just not well, I'm not making the money when yeah. do when does someone know it's time to maybe pivot 
or to do something else? What actions do people take? Yeah, so a couple of things. Uh, the first thing I want to address the concept of pivoting. So here's the thing. We're not, most of us and what we're talking about, it, we're not building like a Facebook or an Amazon or some new billion dollar startup that has this novel idea or relatively novel. Uh, what we're doing is most of us, we're building businesses based on what we know. So what that means is our business is probably not new. It's proven right? Like health coaching, relationship coaching, teaching, mentoring, really any sort of service-based business you can think of, there's someone else out there doing it. That means that there is supply and demand. So there's not so much a need to pivot your business as what, to answer your question more directly, when someone has had a dry spell for let's say six months to a year, that's telling us a few things. Either they, their offer is not something that people are interested in. So a really common example that comes to mind, and this is one that a lot of us can connect with, is health coaches. So I work with a lot of health coaches, or I have a lot of health and coaching students, and a lot of them are really passionate about what they do, and they care about helping their, their clients do more than just lose weight, right? They want to help them eat healthy, transform their lives, have more energy. And so they come to me and they say, I don't want to talk about losing weight. Now, here's the problem with that. A lot of people hire health coaches to lose weight. And the other stuff, being healthy, having more energy, while it's nice, it's not the primary driver. And so that, that's a disconnect. That's a very common example of a powerful disconnect. And, you know, this applies to all industries. Same thing for, let's say, career coaching, which is also really common. Someone's coming to me saying, hey, I don't want to talk about helping someone find a new job or get a raise. I want to talk to them about finding inner fulfillment as in their current career. It's powerful, but it's just not what people want. So it's not so much, one of the most common reasons people stay stuck is not so much their, their business itself that needs to pivot, it's what they're sharing. Is it sharing something that people wanna pay for? That's thing number one. Thing number two is, are you speaking to the right people? So using career coaching as an example, it's just as easy to help people who can pay you who are in jobs right now and want to find new jobs as it is to help people who are unemployed and cannot or don't want to pay you, right? Not saying all unemployed people don't want to hire coaches, but just giving a very high level uh, example to mm -hmm. illustrate. And so you really want to be thinking about that. Am I speaking to the right people who are happy to pay me? Right. And sometimes that's just a slight tweak, like the uh, going from people who don't have jobs to people who have jobs example. And then the final piece is, are you consistently showing up? Are you going out there and getting in front of your, your clients instead of waiting for them to come to you? And I've made all of these mistakes. I mean, I remember when I was doing career coaching, I set up a website. I thought, okay, this is amazing. Now people are going to find me. The day I clicked publish on my website, I, I was thinking I'm just going to sit back and this is happening. Yeah, no, I had that website up for, I don't even know how long, I think well over a year and uh, not a single person found me, found me randomly through the website. And that's because there are millions of other websites on the internet. And, and so if you're waiting for people to come to you, you're going to be waiting for a really long time. What works way better is to, as we were talking about earlier, figure out where your audience is and go to them whether that is in uh, online industry forums, whether that's in online social media groups, whether that is in physical groups and organizations, and consistently putting yourself out there and filling your pipeline the way that we were talking about earlier. Mm. I got to do better at that. Uh, like, it's interesting because I know people, like I've had on my show and 
it's like LinkedIn is their their jam. That's where they go. That's where they find their clients. Mm. You know, others go to Instagram, and I'm like, I don't like. I'm on on LinkedIn. I like LinkedIn for the professional connections, but I don't like it as a a social network. Uh, and I don't like the gram at all. I took that off my phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you tell, say, like, wow, I got to think of it, like, go where your people are. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's, might be different. Well, not different, but it's interesting because your customers may be somewhere where you don't want to be. Exactly. Or vice versa. They might... Uh, not be where you want to be. And at this point with that, when you're starting out, it's not like, okay, where are my people? How can I go find them? Awesome. Awesome. So I want to jump into content creation, especially that content creation that provides value, a sneak peek to your potential customers or clients of what you offer. Uh, something that can position you as an expert expert in the field. You do a lot of videos, as I mentioned, love your YouTube channel, chalk full of gems. When people are thinking about creating that content, what is the strategy behind it in terms of what topics to cover? And how do you know you are giving away too much for free? Yeah. Okay, so let's address that last point first. So my belief is, and always has been, there is no such thing as giving away too much for free. Because the thing is, and when you're thinking, okay, how can I not give assuming that people are just paying you for information. They're not. I'm a service provider. I'm hiring them for results. I'm hiring them to tell me things faster, to help me get results faster. I'm hiring them so that they can tell me what to do for my situation so they can customize it. I'm helping, I'm hiring them to help me, hold me accountable. So many things outside of information. And when it comes to that, I'm probably using the free information that they're giving to decide Mm -hmm. if they're the right person to hire me. So when you feel like, or when you start thinking, hey, let me not give away too much, you're actually shooting yourself in the foot because then people might be thinking, did she know enough? big difference. And you know, the other thing I've always believed is that when you know what you're talking about, then you're not going to run out of content. There's no, no possible way you can give everything, you know, for free in any amount of time. Just using myself as an example, I have been consistently sharing content for about five years. I've been doing weekly YouTube videos for about two, you know, monthly, massively detailed monthly blogs. I've been doing weekly live streams for about four years. I mean, I've been doing podcasts, interviews, media publications for about the same amount of time. And I still have so much more to talk about. I'm constantly coming up with new things to share and it's because I know a lot. There's just simply no way. Like all my free content, even though I'm not afraid of giving too much and obviously like as you've seen from my YouTube videos, I go super in depth. It's still just the tip of the iceberg. And I found that it's true for the majority of people I work with in their industries as well. So that's the the first piece the, to reframe. The second thing when I think about is that being said, you do want to be strategic with your content. 
Although when you're starting out, to be honest, if you can just be consistent with your content, that's a huge win. When I was starting out, when I was doing ads consulting and I didn't know what I know now about marketing, copywriting, anything, content creation, honestly, I was just thinking, let me share what I know and hopefully it helps me get clients. The rest I'll make up by just talking to people and showing them I know what I'm talking about. So there's definitely a time and place for just showing up and sharing and not overthinking it. Absolutely. Uh, that being said, as you share more and more content and gain some experience around that, the way you want to be strategic with it is you want to be thinking, okay, what do I need to share that my potential clients need to know in order to hire me? And so what that means is, what is your philosophy? What is your methodology related to what you do? Uh, and that also gives really valuable content. So just again, using health coaching as an example, I've worked with so many different types of health coaches. Some help you by uh, basically counting calories. Some help you by doing specialized uh, short-term workouts. Some help you by eating certain types of foods. Some help you by changing your mindset and your mental and emotional relationship with food. And so all of those are super different ways. And someone who's looking for a coach who can help with the mental piece is not going to hire the coach who's going to help you with the specific foods piece. And so what you want to be teaching people is your methodology, what you believe, which also prepares them, not, is not only infinitely valuable in of itself, but also prepares them for working with you if they want to. Another thing you want to be doing is teaching the people the value of what it is that you're selling. And so you want to be teaching, for example, as a coach or consultant, the value of so if I'm a health coach, I would teach the value of having someone hold you accountable, kind of uh, help you pinpoint what your top, uh, you know, food relationships are based on your personality or body is made up or whatever, what foods you should eat. So having that accountability, having that customization, having that direct, hey, I know what I'm talking about. You could go and figure it out after a lot of Do you really want to do that? Some people do, which is fine. They're not clients who don't or will pay for that additional convenience, faster results, accountability, customization, all of that, those are your people. They simply mm. sometimes need to be taught that. And then the final piece is why you versus anyone else or versus them doing it on their own. And so you can be teaching how your method is different what you have done to figure out what it is that you help people with and why you versus so-and-so, or I mean, you don't need to name any names, but just saying maybe comparing different methodologies or doing it on their own and what that would take versus working with you. And so all of these top three examples that I just gave are very powerful ways to share valuable content. Like hear this, people are going to walk away, even if they don't buy from you thinking, oh, wow, that was really helpful. But the people who are thinking about buying from you, it's going to help inform their purpose decision as well. Mm. That's all right. This has been awesome, Louisa. My gosh, I feel like we were on a roll. I mean, it was definitely so awesome. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, you know, Andrew's good. So we'll see how this thing turns out. But I want to end this podcast by talking to you about the whole idea of building a business versus owning another job, mm, right? Yeah. So, so how does someone actually build a business, right? As opposed to you're just saying, well, I'm putting 80 hours in for this mm -hmm. other thing that's real, you know, I, 
I, I could consider myself, I guess, a solopreneur or whatever, but in actuality, this is a business that I own, whereas if I don't put in hours, I don't get paid versus a business can be Yeah. You can kind of sit back and the money still comes. Yes. Okay. Here's the test. Super simple. The test is if you don't show up to quote unquote work, are you going to get paid? If the answer is no, you have a job. If the answer, aside from, you know, vacation and PTO, but if the answer is yes, that's when you have a business. So what that means is a business is something that, that depends on systems. And yes, there are people who support the systems, but it's not the other way around. It's not something that depends on a certain person, often you or someone else, and has systems to back it up. And so we're just taking, for example, my own business. Yes, nowadays I do a very limited amount of coaching, but the majority of my business comes through selling the courses that I've spent the last few years really creating and making best in class. Those courses are very robust. They are self-study. And yes, I do have customer support around them, but they don't include me, access to me. That's not part of what the product is. And so someone can buy my course right now and they can go and use it and get all the information that I've put into the course, but I don't need to be present. I've already put in the work, the years it took for me to figure out the things that I teach, the years it took for me to test and create that course and to put it out there. That's the upfront work that then continues to work and work on its own. And I do have other systems like traffic generation. So yes, I sit down and record my YouTube videos. I have someone else put them up. Uh, I've got, uh, you know, I create my content, but then I have someone else write out my blogs and really take what I say and move it into different platforms for me. So I only do the things that I really enjoy doing, which is teaching and, and I mean, really in all shapes and forms. And uh, we talked about the customer support. You have got people supporting pieces in your business. And even if those people take time off, great, they have other people to, to fall back on. So it's not any one person. That's how you build a true business. Now, I do want to caveat, it took me about five years to really build that into place. And those five years, it was a job. If I stopped working at any of those points, building that system, I would not have gotten paid, I would not have the business that I have today. And so it was a lot of hard work, but it was always with the end goal in mind of, look, I'm happy to do the work. I still love coaching. I love ch chatting with people. I'm going to connect with as many people as I can, but just knowing that at the end of the day, no matter how much you love what you do, you want to have the choice of taking a day off or a week or a month or whatever amount of time and still having that business work for you. Otherwise stay in the job, right? It's, mm. it's a lot less uh, hassle. Uh, it's a steadier paycheck and you don't have to go through all of the, uh, the growth spurts, we'll call them, of being an entrepreneur. And so keeping that in mind and working towards that in every day, in the beginning, you go through phases, right? In the beginning, you're just hustling and wanting to get a client. It doesn't matter if you're working more than you are in your job. As you build it up and you start seeing patterns and you start growing and you start becoming uh, an expert, you start building an audience, then you shift to, okay, how can I scale this? How can I systematize this and answer that whole set of questions and get to the point where you truly have a business? Wow. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> uh, Louisa, thank you for coming on the show. My gosh. So my pleasure. Thank you for having me here. You're welcome. Now, people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode will be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify. I need you to subscribe and share 
and all of those good things. Look, I like the stars. They're great. But can you leave some comments and reviews because I'm trying to be found and I'm trying to get Oprah on the show. And I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Louisa Joe, for coming on and dropping so many gems, people. I love this episode. I just can't wait to get this thing out. And I'd like to thank you again for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show. As always, people, invest in you. EDU, peace.